The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Fast to Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for November 3rd, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on the Open the Voice Gate dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to redcircle.com. Click the red button to donate or sponsor the show. You can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation and it's not required, but certainly appreciated, and I'd like to thank all of our previous donors for their support. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined alongside Case Slow, as always, in case. Gate of Destiny happened less than 24 hours, and if we weren't already anticipating this crazy month, they found the perfect way to kick things completely off the rails into overdrive. It's a, it's a train that's going full speed to Kobe world and a lot of surprises here and a lot of really interesting things at least like off the top that I kind of came away from the show thinking uh how, one how's it going and two what were your like your initial takeaways from Gate Destiny really good show not a great show I think in ring quality was stronger I would I would almost say much stronger on Dangerous Gate from September than on this show I watched this show live though and I was entertained from start to finish. There were no down points on this card. It was incredibly consistent. I think it peaked with the open, the Twin Gate match, not the open, the Brave Gate match, which I seem to, I, I must hate it with my star rating, given the other snowflakes I've seen being thrown out there today. Snowflakes as in star ratings, not as personality traits. I want to make that clear. But anyways, uh, Gate of Destiny, very fun show, very good show, and the perfect table setter as we go into what we've been calling the busiest month in Dragon Gate history. I think it is uh, arguably the most important month in Dragon Gate history, and I did not realize it was as busy as it was until just before we started recording, realizing we not only have a Cork and Hall show that we'll do audio on at some point, not really sure 
when that will be covered, and also a Kyoto KBS Hall show this weekend. Yeah, so we had this today, the 5th, so the day that this is going to be hitting your feeds, there will be a Cork and Hall, and then there will be a Kyoto this weekend. My mindset, and not to produce on air, probably review those and then do our Kobe World preview as Kobe World, so next week after that case, <laughs> this is nuts. This is an insane time we live in in Dragon Gate, and you know, luckily after we get through a uh, uh, Kobe World case, we do pretty much get like two weeks off of major shows. Yeah, maybe if Corkin is noteworthy enough, maybe we'll do something fun for that. I don't know. I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll figure this out here. But tonight we're here to talk about get the Gate of Destiny 2020 from Edeon Arena Osaka, and. Yeah, uh, what you're saying, there were matches, the big matches on the show at uh, in Tokyo at City Hall for or City Gymnasium for a Dangerous Gate. They did feel a little bit like in ring. There was more to kind of sink my teeth into this one. In a lot of ways, kind of felt like Memorial Gate in a way, in that it is a table setting show for a bigger show, which I mean makes sense given the schedule. But it's one of those things you kind of get away from. And you go like, man, I kind of was hoping for a little bit more here, but it makes sense. You know, all this like made sense for it. So, you know, I just walk away with this and they've done nothing to like dissuade my enthusiasm. And it's not like they've made a bad misstep. It's just that the biggest show of the year is in two weeks and we moved it here. So we have our priorities here. Nothing here was outright bad. It just was, this was a table setting show. And I think had the show ended after the main event finished, and I think we should start with the main event and work our way down the card. Had the show ended with Ada low-blowing KZ, rolling him up, and then the R.E.D. photo op celebration, Mm -hmm. I would have been really bummed. I would have been much more down on this show because it just would have left a really sour taste in my mouth for a show that was good but maybe didn't entirely meet our expectations. But with the return of Shun Skywalker at the end of this show, which is the most noteworthy and newsworthy thing to come out of this. Shun Skywalker returning to Drangate for the first time in nearly a year. He spent the first uh, half of his 2020 in Mexico. Obviously an interesting time to be in Mexico or anywhere in the world right now. So his excursion did not go as one might have initially planned. There were some rumblings of him being at MLW at one point. That obviously didn't happen. But Shun Skywalker is back, and Ata versus Shun Skywalker for the Open the Dreamgate Championship is set for Kobe World. And not only the Skywalker return itself, which was very exciting, but the way it was done, the execution of that angle, was a thrilling way to conclude what was, I'll say, a disappointing Dreamgate match. I don't know how you felt about any of this show, I thought the Dreamgate match was good, but not on the level that I was expecting or, you know, hoping for, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the easy thing first, uh, the Vaporwave King is back. He is back. He is looking swole. Uh, It is something that the way that they had him come in, so, like, there was the big pull apart after the uh, Dreamgate match, and then the lights all go out, and then just lights over the entranceway come up, and it's shooting Skywalker, and the crowd starts to react, and then lights go, and then he goes in the ring, the lights go out again, and straight up, it is shooting Skywalker. And the crowd, loudest response I've heard in Japan since uh, COVID and the restrictions. The, I think it's fair to say that on the scale of everything, the crowd lost their shit when Shun Skywalker came in there and completely just ran through all of R.A.D. And then 
said on the megaphone, it's not that I'm the next challenger, I'm the next champion. And just walked out as everyone was kind of in shock. Uh, Dragon Gate, the Dragon Gate generation was kind of like pulling up KZ and everyone licking their wounds. And it was a really cool image of Keisuke Akuda like looking and kind of just going like, I'm not messing with this right now as we now have our main event for Kobe World uh, Pro Wrestling Festival. It just was well done. It was exciting. And just if like the expectations going with this, I feel like that everything that happened in this main event and in this uh, and this post-match angle really kind of put Ada's title reign in focus with me right now because this title reign is not setting Ada up for the next level, in my opinion. It's what's going to happen in two weeks. Am I off base in saying that? Mike, Ata has become the definition of a transitional champion. This reign has done nothing for Ata. I mean, there's no... He he got his moment in a match of the year contender, and that is awesome. It took him 93 days for him to defend his title for the first time. There are five or six Open the Dreamgate reigns that didn't last as long as his, and those for the most part, had defenses. This is a lame duck reign that will ultimately mean more to whoever beats him rather than what it did for Ata. And I think, honestly, I think it says all we need to know about Ata. He's an upper mid-card guy. He's never 1A. He's on his best day, 1B, and he's in the ring with a 1A, a Naruki Doi, a Yamato, a KZ, a Shun Skywalker. He's 1B, if not 2A. He's an upper mid-carder who should probably be challenging for the Open the Brave Gate title, and Kaito Ishida should probably be challenging for the Open the Dream Gate title. And I think in the future, that is the direction that we're headed. Now, maybe Ata doesn't exactly challenge for the Brave Gate belt because he feels he's above that. That's fine. But Ata's not a top-of-the-line guy. I don't know I don't know how anyone watching over the past three months could think that he is. This is a guy who's routinely semi-main eventing. These Fukuoka and Kobe Sambo Hall shows, he's not even headlining the TV tour stops. He's not the primary focus of the company. It is Yamato versus Kai or whatever other program takes precedent on those shows. He's been an afterthought, and it's frustrating in a sense because his title win was so well done. And that match will forever be the peak of his career. It'll be that match and the Jushin Thunder Liger Super J-Cup match. When I think of Ada, that is what I'm going to think of. But the 93 days that have followed, a colossal disappointment. And it's not entirely on Ata. Most of Ata's career failures, I think, are his fault. I think he's lazy. I don't always think he tries hard. I don't always think he executes well. This reign, though, it let us know everything we need to know about the way Drangate thinks of Ata. Yeah, and it's not just that, like, because, like, you do have to, like, put forth, like, that he got Yamato'd in a way. Like, that did happen, and we can't say that, like, it was, like, fully set for him to succeed. But now when you, like, see how things are and how they like to book Kobe World, yeah, uh, I don't want to call him, like, a traditional champion or a belt pillow, but it's starting to kind of feel like it, and it allows someone to, like, have tension pulled for when someone else bigger comes back, and boy, that's what it, that's kind of how I kind of felt like this. And, And it's something that, like, it kind of takes me back a lot to uh, the end of 2018 and into 2019 with Pac, in a way, where 
RED kind of existed. It had a lot of, like, nice pieces there. Like, we had the... Uh, we we had the Big E tag team that was a lot of fun. Uh, we had we were discovering that Kazuma Sakamoto actually is a good wrestler, but it was always kind of missing something. But then when you had a top line player come in like Pack, then Ada's fine because he's the mic worker and he's not the primary focus. But now you have someone who is a top line guy coming in, and you're just like, oh wow, okay, this is a capital G, capital U, capital Y guy here, whereas he's just another guy. You know, I think in a sense, Ata did get Yamato'd in the sense that much like after Yamato won the belt at Kobe World 2016, it was overshadowed by Akira Tozawa leaving the promotion, and so he also went months without. Oh, case before that. Before that, it was a Summer Adventure Tag League, That's right, that's right. And that that was a strange, I think that was the last Summer Adventure Tag League they did. That was a strange tournament that, at the time, I thought of it as a vehicle to get at the time Fuda Nakamura now Ben K over and then Ben K got hurt in his first match. So it was a really strange tournament, <laughs> but it, let's say we had a normal year this year. We're going to have the dead or alive cage match in May where I think the stipulations for the most part are the same. And I think we get the same result at Kobe world. And that also means Ata wins King of gate. So at Kobe world, we get Ada versus Doi. I think Ada's going to win that. And then I think at Dangerous Gate, in a normal year, we would have gotten this match with a similar result of Shun Skywalker returning and challenging Ada for the belt at Gate of Destiny. Now, whether Shun returns there at Dangerous Gate or at the October Cork, and, you know, that's all up for debate. But I think I think the plan has been altered, but still executed to its original idea, just in a different timeline. So... Yes, he got Yamato'd, but still, he hasn't exactly delivered the way that I think he needs to, because also, because he hasn't been put in the position to deliver, because he's always fighting, you know, match five on a six-match show. Yeah, 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 and it's one of those things that also, like, he's such, like, a weird bridge guy, like, when we talk about, like, Generations case, because he's part of the Millennials generation, he's the last real member of the Millennials generation around, in a way that is a consequence so like it makes sense in a way that he would be used like this and you know uh hate to say this for the kz fans out there kz probably when he gets his like big thing if he gets a run and i think he still probably has a chance to probably gonna look a lot like this where it's going to be a transition thing because like you look at you you look at like his era and leading into how the promotion changed like you had t hawk's gone linda man's gone Yosuke San Maria, not going to ever be in that role. UT, not going to ever be in that role. And then Shimizu, who knows with Shimizu? Shimizu, we just take out the deck here. He's the bridge. And we, and I think that's very clear now. I will agree with you that KZ, when he becomes Dreamgate champion, because I really do think it's win, not if, will be uh, not a transitional champion on the way that on the level that Ata has been but I do think his reign will ultimately serve better for somebody else. Mike, I'm going to shoot big here and perhaps at this point we can transition to the open the triangle gate match unless you have more things to say. But I will reference this point with the Cork and Hall show that is coming up on November 5th where the main event is Yamato Kotmanora, Dragon Daya and Kazi versus Ata Kai Dianferno and Kento Kabune. Could we be looking at a future, Mike, where KZ is dropping the Open the Dreamgate title to Kento Kabune? Because I will say, and I know I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but Yamato has Kai, 
KZ has Ata. Uh, Coach Minora is, I, I guess, in there at some point, maybe with uh, with, with a Kenta Kabune. And, uh, I, well, I guess that doesn't work. All I'm saying is, look, I think Kenta Kabune is winning that match, and I think he's pinning KZ. And I think we could see the start of some sort of, of long-term rivalry there. That was a clumsy way of making that point, but it's the point that I'm sticking to. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that, like, uh, I can see that happening. And you, like, look at, like, how this th- this match is set up. And you look at, like, how we don't have Shun Skywalker on that show. And it's very stark now that they're keeping... It seems like they're keeping Shun Skywalker. That his returns might be him winning the Dreamgate. Like, because there's not very many shows between now and Kobe Worlds we talked about before. Because they have that, they have Kyoto, they have a show in Fukui, and that's it. That's it before Kobe World. So it's really like a weird thing that makes me wonder. And it makes you wonder also, like, are we going to start seeing us transition out of the generational war with Kabune getting the pin there? Or if it's something where Minora gets a pin there or something with Daya and Inferno? It makes you wonder. I think that, that there's a lot of things to go there. Uh, last notes on the match. Uh, and I threatened this ahead of time. I think one of the reasons why this match feels a little weird is uh Casey's kind of an, an the theory of how the Bravegate division has formulated and like the overall style change of young wrestlers he's kind of been the person that did it first that he very much works like this very fast quick hard-hitting heavy emotion very much like based on like strikes and action this was kind of like a slower version of like that match like of a match that happened much earlier on the show and I kind of saw that happening here and I think that it was like a match that for like the result and what happened here did not necessarily work in this main event. I still thought it was a pretty solid main event. I still went three and three quarters, but it's not what you want out of a freedom. You don't want your freedom gate. Uh, you don't want your dream gate title match to be a three and three quarters match, especially at gate of destiny. This is probably like one of the, because of how everything was, this is undeniably one of the lower end gate of destiny main events. I'm glad you said that because I referenced this in my review. You know, Casey is kind of in the flag bearer for something we've talked about on the show quite a bit, this shifting Drangate house style. And I just expected he and Ata to kind of flip the script and do their own version of a Dreamgate match. But they kind of just went back to the playbook and did the Shima... Yoshino Doi era style Dreamgate match just with their own moves plugged in, and I didn't think it was as effective as it could have been. No, I I, I agree with you there. I, I I agree with that. It is something that's very. It it, it did not suit the styles, and it, that's maybe why I went on the limb and said this was a slower version of that when really it was a slow Dreamgate match. Like this is like the classic Dreamgate match. It just did not work here, and. Uh, one last thing about this before we get into the Triangle Gate match and talking about Kento Kabune. Uh, they knocked it out of the park with the with the VTR before the match. With KZ talking about like KZ's career and like did there that made it feel like so much more of a bigger deal than his previous uh, Mr. February matches. Yeah, the, the video package was tremendous. I thought the English commentary, I guess I can speak to the English commentary as a whole here, because once again, they did their best work in the main event, constantly referencing how Casey was inspired by Akira Tozawa, who started his career as a comedy wrestler, and then, you know, changed course drastically. Uh, Casey had essentially Akira Tozawa tribute gear on in this match, and the video package beforehand, mixed with the English commentary, uh, really painted a beautiful portrait of KZ's career, who I, someone who I've just, 
I've just grown to appreciate. I just really like KZ. I like his story. I like the fact that in 2015, it was like, oh, cool, KZ's trying for a little bit. And he never looked back. Like, he just kind of continued with that momentum. And now I'm talking about a guy who I'm saying, not if, but when he wins the Dreamgate title. I never would have imagined that. It's really been a, a really cool journey to follow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember, like, he's saying he's trying to pick, because also it was a thing that there was a Christmas break, and he, of course, used to wear overalls, and he came back wearing no with the overall straps down, and she said, oh, you actually got in good shape, which was, like, one of the things. It's like, oh, yeah, no, he's trying, he's trying. And it's it was a remarkable voyage there. And, you know, I went three and three quarters. I think you went the same on this match as well, Kiss. I feel like we're on the same page. I went three there. and a half. Okay, so I was a little bit higher on you, but that also might be me working my – bizarre theory about the bantam style main event there but then we get into the uh the semi-main event uh before the show when they were doing the traditional signing and awarding of the dream key for the main event they also brought up the fact that diamante on a house show earlier in the week i believe it was in hime yeah it was in hime he had an arm injury and he was pulled and that was on the 31st i believe that he got pulled from that he, he, he suffered that injury, so he was pulled on the show from the first. So in Dragon Gate, you can't sub people in. It officially vacated it, but then they said that the title match would be the same, but there would be an X in for the R.E.D. team. So it would be the Team Boku team of Naruki Doi, Ryotsu Shimizu, and Punch Tomonaga going up against the two-thirds of the former champion team of Takashi Yoshida and Kazuma Sakamoto with the stipulation that if R.E.D. won, the Ryotsu Shimizu character would be discontinued. X was Kento Kabune, who came in there and tapped out Ryotsu Shimizu with what's called the, the Sas Origatame, which was the sharpshooter or the scorpion deathlock. In 12 minutes and 57 seconds, Kento Kabune was X. He is now less than a year into his career and opened the Triangle Gate champion, and he's now an RED, and he claims a major prize as being the person who retires that shortly lived Ryosu Shimizu character. I was not expecting Kento Kobune to be under that hood. And when he was revealed, I, I was so in on this. We've said since August, something is happening with these rookies. We speculated one of them might be under the demon mask. That turned out not to be the case. But we were on the right path because we had been studying... Blood Warriors versus Junction 3 for our Dragon USA Rewind and Rewatch series and sort of comparing some of the generational wars there. And T-Hawk is someone that got involved very, you know, I, I'm not going to say very early, but around this point of the Junction 3 versus Blood Warriors feud, T-Hawk became a member of Blood Warriors. And we kind of knew eventually one of the rookies was going to jump ship, find a unit, and we expected it to be a heel turn. I was not expecting it to be Kabune. I thought he had built-in babyface charisma, but uh, I'm thrilled. I thought this match was just okay. I, I mean, I went three and a half with it, same as the main event. It's one of those star rating things. This is a different three and a half star match than the main event, just different expectations going in. Right. But Kabune here was terrific. You, you know what it is? It's I've compared him to Yamato since his debut. Do you get any real hazard Yamato vibes from this? Funny enough, I was talking about Real Hazard Yamato today. Uh, I was talking with uh, Andrew Ang Andrew Angry Two Sixteen about like how Yamato kind of like went from being a rookie. That do you remember what his proposed gimmick was going to be with Yamato? This, this is a fun little nugget here. Uh, I I don't think I do. 
his proposed gimmick was going to be second generation conda oh yeah okay yes yeah i i did know that yeah that that's right and then that thankfully did not happen that did not happen he quickly kind of became the fighting battleship yamato instead and it is very kind of similar like because it was when he was in it as a rookie yamato wore like nondescript blue tights and was known as like the former pancreas guy and then he became the uh, real hazard yamato which was something completely different and kind of was the thing that spurred him on the, the, this answered like a big question i had of, of kobune which was he was always like very solid but i always noticed like he wasn't necessarily like, the most outwardly charismatic person in the class of 2020 because Kame, I mean, he is small, and he has the endless fight that's easy for people to buy into. Sora Fujikawa is a hunk, and then Madoka Kakuta just has the hand of God. So it's like, what is going to be like, his thing here? And kind of just kind of becoming like a little asshole, and it works. And I don't want to say little asshole because he actually is a lot taller than I thought he was. Did you notice that? That he was like maybe one or two inches shorter than Takashi Yoshida. Yeah, he's he's a bigger guy. I don't know if this will make sense. I, I don't know if my wording will do justice to my overall point. You're exactly right. Kabune does not project, or is not as outwardly charismatic, I should say, as his peers in the 2020 rookie class. Right. The thing that I like about Kabune, it's why I've always been highest on him, and it's why I compare him to Yamato. I think Kabune projects big. I think Takedo Kamai is great. That is a a Cork and Hall level act. Kabune is a Kobe Kenan Hall act, and I I have just I have seen that charisma in him since his debut. It's why I made the Yamato connection here. It's why I made the Yamato connection when he debuted, and it's uh it's just I, I'm really into this. I I think this is a great direction, and it's a bummer because Diamante has turned into a really fun wrestler. And, you know, he, he loses his yeah. spot here. I don't know how long he's going to be out of action. But, all things considered, I think we're going to come out on the better end of this. Yeah, and it's something that he had the tights made. He did pull uh, Hio's knee pads. So, this was something that was going to happen. I just think it kind of maybe accelerated a little bit. I could have maybe seen something happen that with the rookies winning earlier on, Originally, the plan was going to be that was going to be because I said, like, I think the rookies could probably be in that trial gate match a couple weeks ago at Kobe World. And that could have been like the propulsion here. But then they were like, OK, the reason we want to have them in there is because we're going to break Kento off pretty soon. Well, we celebrate that. He's now he's now broken off here. And it's real interesting. R.E.D. is in such a cool place that I don't know necessarily what you do with R.E.D. other than we are probably looking at four months from now. R.E.D. won't exist in some fashion. It'll be something else. Like, I do kind of feel like that because he's an interesting part because he's so much younger and now he's a champion, so he can't really be dropping falls now. And then you have other people in the unit who really shouldn't be dropping falls now. It's just like, how do you, like, have this other than having Kyo in every single match, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, yeah, I went three and three quarters on this. I Mainly because of how much I was, like, taken aback by how well Kabune, like, fleshed out this team. Like, him and Kazma had, like, some really sick, like, double teams where, like, he would put someone up on his shoulders and a fireman's carry, and Kazma would run and, like, kick them, and he would do a fireman's carry slam out of that. That was like, all right, we're starting to put something together. I'm here for this. Yeah, Kabune is going to fit in seamlessly. I mean, his offense was on point here. He was dealing with, you know, a a lot of Tamanaga in this match. I felt like Doi kind of took the night off. It was Kabune versus Tamanaga and Shimizu for most of this match. Right. And he handled it like a pro. I mean, Kabune just comes across like a pro 
and he's been wrestling 11 months. Yeah, and I think, did I point this out like a week ago, how Doi kind of like, kind of just like disappears in these matches and sometimes. And good for, and good for him. I believe you did mention that and good for Naruki Doi. <laughs> yeah, and then also coming out of this, uh, we, we never thought that Ryotsu Shimizu was going to have a long lifespan. And now it was basically something for him to do until they got new gear made and they figure out what they're going to do going to Kobe World. So. I, I'm glad you said that. Real quick, I want to make a point. So during the main event angle after the match, the uh, RED is beating down KZ and the Dragon Gate generation, and Shimizu comes out. And it I, I, I think at some point Shimizu was ending up with the Dragon Gate generation. So I thought maybe that's the angle they were going to do there, and then he got beaten down, and then Doi and Yoshino came out, and they got beaten down. I was like, oh, we're going to do what we talked about. Mike, we talked about this in May during the King of Gate tournament. Maybe for Kobe World, they do R.E.D. versus Dragon Gate Generation versus Toriyaman nine-man trios match, and then Shun Skywalker came out, so it ended up being irrelevant. But yes, you're right. I, I thought Team Boku, uh, when Diamante was in this match, I thought they would win lose the belt at Kobe World, and then Shimizu would voluntarily drop his character. But instead, we will find out what the artist formerly known as Ryotsu Shimizu has to say at Korokin Hall. Oh, I, I'm not fully of the belief that Team Boku is a proto-unit. I think it's going to become a full-fledged thing. I think that because you had full new gear for Tomonaga, Tomonaga doesn't change gear a whole lot. Like, don't look at Naruki Doi. He, he goes through a gear changes like crazy like me buying <laughs> like us buying new baseball hats to be quite fair ah yes a reference point i understand <laughs> I, 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 I was going to go towards like me and tracks i was like no 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 we have a commonality here in baseball hats but i think that this is going to be a thing i don't it's not a thing i'm necessarily into but i think team boku is going to be a thing and i guess we just kind of have to accept that and it does kind of feel like that this is a more important thing because we go look at cork and it's a full eight-man contingent of team boku in a match there so it's not like they're breaking off that. I think that Shimizu was going after R.E.D. for turning on him, to be quite honest. Yeah, I guess I just assumed he would do that under the Dragon Gate Generation banner, but unfortunately, I think you're correct. And then, uh, stepping down the card, we have the Open the Twin Gate Championships. It was the uh, Dragon Gate Generation team of Kota Minora and Jason Lee against the curious, as we've been talking about for the last few weeks, uh, Dragon Gate Generation team of Susumi Yokosuka and Ginky Horiguchi. Jason Lee won with the Hong Kong Tornado in 11 minutes and 58 seconds on Ginky Horiguchi. And boy, that Hong Kong Tornado. I've, I've seen a lot of people have issues with Cancun Tornadoes as of late, and that one averted disaster. I freaked out during the finish of this match, and UT did as well. If you go back and watch this match, I had the exact reaction UT did, where I thought Jason Lee's kneecap came down full force on the side of Genki Horiguchi's head. I I mean, I really... I, I'm not going to say I was shaken up by this, but watching live, I was like, oh, well, Horiguchi's out, going to be out. He's clearly concussed. He's not going to be on the Cork and Hall show. And then when I was compiling GIFs for my VoicesOfWrestling.com review, and that review is live on the side if you want to see uh, my written thoughts on this show, I realized, oh, the knee missed Horiguchi's head. He still made contact with his body, but the knee did not make contact with his head, which is good because for this entire Twin Gate run, it has been the Coach Minora show. He's been pinning guys. He's been upsetting guys. He has been the focus. This was the Jason Lee show. This was the match he deserved to have in this reign. And Jason Lee delivered. My God, was he good in this match. 
Yeah, it, it's something where like the structure of this match was really cool in a way because pretty early on there was a Jibbo no Kachi onto the apron, which looked like hell, and and of course Jason Lee sold it like hell and was basically out for this was eleven minute match out for like a good six minutes of it, so it was like a two on one match, and then Jason Lee came in and just kind of just ran roughshod, and it was just like a really cool thing that like I've been I feel like I've been the one that's saying like this is Jason Lee's like probably like his crowning achievement in this company. I wanted to go on as long as possible. I love Jason Lee; he's one of my favorite guys in the company, and this match came became all about him and put out a four and a quarter star match here and i thought that it was really insane like all my notes in here was basically jason took a, a jumbo no conchi on the apron early like a madman and then my final note is jason is a madman i love this yeah there's a sequence in this match where jason lee goes for the maximum driver horiguchi counters it goes for the backslide from heaven and then goes for that sort of cyclone Backslide from heaven deal. Lee escapes all those. Uh, backslide times. Backslide Thank you. Times. Yes. Uh, and then Lee kicks out, goes for the goes for a maximum driver. Again, Horiguchi counters, goes for the beach break, and then Lee rolls through that into a sunset flip. And it is just, it, it's so good. And, and it's, look, it's a bummer that the Twin Gate titles are, I would say, 99.9%. There's a 99.9% chance that they are going back to BB Hulk and Kai at Kobe World. That match is official, and I think that result, unfortunately, is almost official because I think Jason Lee and Coach Minora have been such a breath of fresh air in the Open the Twin Gate division, which is not a slight on Hulk, Kai, or Yamato, but those titles revolved around those three for two straight years, and it's just, it was really nice having a new team in the mix, and I thought they were excellent here, and I went, this was my match of the night. I went four and a quarter on this. It just was something that it just... Like, Jason Lee has been such a special wrestler because he's been, like, a different kind of person who was brought in and has made Dragon Gate his own, in a way. And I want this to continue because I, it's sad that, and maybe I'm selling the guy short, I don't think he's ever going to be, like, we talked about top-of-the-line guys. If he gets a Dream Gate shot in his time in Dragon Gate, I'd be stunned. But this is, like, kind of, like, the, the perfect thing for him, and I hope it doesn't end because... As you mentioned, Kai and Hulk laid him out post-match and made the challenge for Kobe World. All the title matches have been decided for Kobe World. We'll be getting into the last one after this. So, just a really cool match. Uh, interesting thing about this card was how short everything was other than the main event and the post-match angle. Uh, the the, uh, the semi-main, the Triangle Gate match was just under 13 minutes, 12.57. This one was just under 12. And everything else was really, they kept it at a quick quick clip here i mean this was when i when i woke up this morning pulled up the show i was like i haven't watched it case but i see it's three hours and 30 minutes and that's something so it, it was remarkable like that they compressed like this almost into like doing full matches in this short time period because there was no intermission as well yeah it uh it, it's weird watching this show live i felt every minute of it it was not one of those breezy kobe sambo hall shows that we've had a lot of recently but nothing was bad on this show and there were a few things that were great, much like the Open the Brave Gate Championship match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Open the Brave Gate Championship, the 2020 Feud of the Year. I wrote an article about this. You can catch it up in the voice. You, I almost said that. We had a website. But I wrote an article about this and how this is the Feud of the Year to this point on Voices of Wrestling. Go check it out. It was the third match in their series for the Open the Brave Gate Champion. Kaido Ishida defending against Keisuke Okuda for the second time 
And on the second chance in the third match, Keisuke Okuda finally pulled one over on Kaido Ishida. He defeated him with the sleeper hold in 10 minutes and 48 seconds. Ishida fails in his fifth attempted defense. He does not make it to one year, Case. This was the thing. If he got past here, he would at least clock a full calendar year at the championship. He does not defend it in his hometown. Okuda becomes the 39th Open the Brave Gate champion. And let's hear it for let's hear it for like redefining masculinity. <laughs> let, 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 let's talk about it for a second. It just was like one of those things that like the the final moments was just so powerful of uh, basically through like all like these schemings that she always is the person who's a step ahead. He's like, oh, it, that, that's fine. Red, my goons will like distract and you'll get hit with this while I'm in the the sleeper hold and it'll be okay. No, Benke noticed this clocked Hyo pretty bad. Hyo took a couple like monster bumps between this and the post match in the main event where uh, Shun Skywalker cleared his clock again, and then Ishida just went to sleep. And I thought that that was excellent. I watched this twice, and my first viewing I was four and a quarter. Watching it again, I was four and a half stars. I loved this match. I guess I need to watch it again. I went four stars and loved it, and I seem to be the low man on this. It is I. I, you know, I, I can't critique the match. I loved it. It was a G1 sprint with the passion and the storytelling of a Dragon Gate match. That is my definition of good wrestling. I thought this was great. It was just, I don't know, it was four stars. I, I liked it. I, I thought it was fantastic. And the best news is, Mike, we're going to do it again in two weeks at Kobe World. That's right. I thought that this would be it for the feud. No, we have the fourth match in that as... Uh, Ishida challenged, and then and then Okuda said, "Oh, we're, we could challenge, but it's gonna be opening match like you did to Maria." So that's the opener for Kobe World in two weeks. Is going to be this hot fire of of Keisuke Okuda making his first defense against Kaido Ishida. And uh, I, I'll pitch the thing on why I think this match was truly special, Case, because I, I I get why you're like it's a ten minute match, it's four stars. This was a great G one sprint. This was a match where. Everything was like building to it, and they just exploded at each other for ten minutes. Yeah, you started off here, and Ishida was like basically MMA style, going for a TKO in the corner, like a first round flash knockout, and he fought out of it. And it just was like an outpouring of rage. There was like no selling whatsoever. It just was pretty much we're going to kick each other ahead until we we die. And it was basically what was supposed to happen in their previous matches, but it was always something that uh, Kaido Ishida was a step ahead of him. Kaido Ishida pulled him to the outside of King of Gate and was able to slide in and get the uh, count out. He was able to have the RED shenanigans in the their match at Rainbow Gate in Lapis Hall, and he managed to escape away here. There was no escaping here because through the power of friendship, the power of Dude Rocks, Ben, ben K was looking after his best friend, saw this happen, and said, nope, not going to let this happen. He's going to win this thing fair and square, and he did it. And it just was like such like a perfect encapsulation of what the style is changing in Dragon Gate here, put on display for 11 minutes and i thought that that was truly exceptional we'll do an incredibly deep kobe world preview in two weeks but mike i want to put you on the spot here ashita versus sakuda kobe world who's winning i think it's time for ashita to do bigger and better things i think okuda wins i'm not sure yet i'll i'll leave i'm not sure yet i'll leave it at that that's fair that's fair but boy uh if you're gonna it's something where, like, on this card where, like, this is the match that I would point out to people to watch. And, like, what is Dragon Gate 2020? It's this match. Like, this is, like, a remarkable match in a way that, like, I totally understand why you're four stars on this and you're a little bit lower than this. But 
it, it sometimes a four star match means more than just like throwing star a, a rating snowflakes on it. And you, you know, away. you know, Mike. I'm not gonna get star rating shamed by you. I love this match. I, I'm not trying and, to. And, I'm not trying now, to. I, you know. I, I don't have to open my third eye to understand the story here. I read the article that you wrote. Brother, I got all the context. I just felt like throwing four stars on it, and I think that is a fair and acceptable rating. Rich Krejci was probably watching this match in his Tesla on his way to work, hands-free driving. So, of course, with the luxury of that, he thought this was a five-star match. And we're recording this. This will be out before The Voice of Wrestling flagship is out. This show is probably getting bumped for Paradigm Pro. So I don't know why I'm bringing Rich into this, but Rich felt like giving this match five stars. And and I'm not going to be shamed for my rating. Oh, was- In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club, and we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. 
It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm trying to shame you. I was just putting it in context that four stars can sometimes mean more than five. I, 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 was, I, was, I was patting you on the back. I, I was giving you the out. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's always so, nice to have a friend in you. You know, us, you know, Mike Spears and I, you know, we're two men, but, uh, you know, we talk, man. We're good friends. We're not, a, we're not afraid to, to tell yeah, each other that we care about them. I will say Alan Forel, uh, was recently uh, tweeting. He tweeted a video of Akuda and Ben K doing like a fist bump high five into a hug. And he, he tagged us and said, this is case and Mike after every open the voice gate show. I have laughed about that tweet every day since it was posted that just that hit me in my sweet spot and it's just i now think like man i would love to like dap mike up after a voice gate episode sometime like if we can make this happen in person that that really really made me laugh and i want to thank alan for putting that out there in the universe oh gosh everyone be be okay with 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 giving your friend a high five give them a hug after a match like like don't be too proud. We're redefining uh, my, my co-host on EE and Nate has said we're redefining masculinity and we're going to do this through dudes rock. You know, we're going to do this. I love it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let, let's talk about the front end of the show. Uh, we had Yamato versus Kai. This was a disqualification after seven minutes for red interference. And I didn't even bother reading this match. This was an angle. That was a match. Yeah. It's uh. I guess right now, as of our recording time, we don't have anything confirmed for Yamato for Kobe World, which... We don't. I'm so confused as to what he is going to do. Maybe maybe we end up with some... I, I, I don't know. I have no feel for Yamato on World, because I don't see him being involved in the Taru match. I think that would kind of be just a, a strange place for Yamato to be. So... I don't know, but this was essentially Yamato versus BB Hulk and Kai. Now, the the one thing I want a clarification on, I, so BB Hulk got injured, and by Kai, by Kai. So that's what I thought, and I I what I didn't publish that in my review because I couldn't double source it with anything, and I I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure. And you hadn't watched the show yet, so I didn't want to bother you. So he got hurt by Kai. BB Hulk said part of the reason he turned was because Kai, you know, legitimately hurt him. Did I miss their forgiveness? I don't like the fact that they're a unit. It seems like almost an, a cheap way of doing Dragon Gate storytelling in a way where I would I would think they would be side-eyeing each other. They'd be in the same unit, and they'd, you know, they'd get along, but they wouldn't really like each other. But they're best friends now, and I feel like we're missing an explanation as to why. Yeah, yeah. So, so if I'm right on this, I think I'm right about this. This happened during the Doidarts match in 2018 where Kai gave the medial impact and it broke uh, BB Hulk's neck. And since then, like Kai was like welcomed in and then he turned on him. He was the Christmas surprise. He was the red demon mask because he was pissed about this. And now they're suddenly all buddy, buddy here. Like you're absolutely right about this. And now they're a twin gate challenge team. Like we've gone from point A to point Z, but we don't, but we don't know like the key point R in this. Because you're totally right about that. Yeah, it's just I I expect more from Dragon Gate. If any other promotion was doing this, whatever, I get it. It's a pro wrestling story. Guy turns heel. Now he's friends with all the heels. But it's Dragon Gate, and I I would like a reason as to why Yamato or I'm sorry, by Kai and BB Hulk are now buddy buddy. 
I, I, I did like to say it at the opening where they just basically were trolling Yamato out on the ramp and trying to be like, no, we're starting this match up here. We're starting this match up here, uh, Yamato. You have to get up here to have this match. I thought that that actually had me laughing because I was like, did they not talk in the back that we're going to start this thing on the ramp? And I thought that was really funny. Yeah, it was it was an entertaining brawl. It was just an extended angle. Yeah, yeah, it was an entertaining brawl, extended angle. And then we get into a match that, in a weird way, foreshadowed what was going to happen later on, but in another way didn't. This was a six-man tag match. Ultimo Dragon, Masato Yoshino, Yozushi Kanda versus the then-trio class of 2020, Kento Kabune, Takedo Kamei, and Madoka Kuda. Kabune got the submission with the the, the Sass, or it's a, I'm going to try to get this. It's a Scorpion Deathlock. It's the Sass origatame sas origatame i always get on the second chance okay so this isn't like with me and t hawk's name where i can never get his uh takuya tomomakamai thing this is just is he his I, 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 i'm not gonna judge you because a few weeks ago on the drangit usa rewind and rewatch i butchered some chikara names and i have been embarrassed about it ever since it's been <laughs> in the back of my mind because i like i read all those notes and try to make sure that i've got everything under control and then i just I don't know. I looked at some names and I was like, shit, I've never seen those letters together before. I don't know what sound this makes. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to judge you for not being able to translate sharpshooter into Japanese. Yeah, it's a sharpshooter. Uh, and so this was nine minutes and it was an interesting match. I mean, more interesting stuff happened post-match. I think we should talk about the match before we get into that because, boy, there's a lot of layers there. But you know, Yoshino got into it, and Ultimo, I thought he was just going to chill out on his apron. Ultimo was was willing to go around with Kabune more than I thought he would. Yeah, that's the story here. And granted, when I was watching this live, I did not know that it was going to lead to Kabune, uh, you know, becoming a champion an hour and a half after this happened. But I wrote, you know, Yamato, or I'm sorry, not Yamato, Ultimo squaring off with Kento Kabune and them having a stare down in a moment in the middle of this match. That was not an accident. I mean, that's, you know... That's why Ultimo's there, ultimately, is the is to, to put these guys over in some way, shape, or form. Wasn't surprised at the result. Wasn't surprised at any of the in-ring action. Three and a quarter in a really, really fun match. Yeah, really fun match. Uh, uh, we did get to have Kakuda doing the, the Hand of God to uh, to Kanda, which it's Salones. Like, after seeing the uh, Benkei one, the match with him Benkei where he cratered Benkei's chest, it's now my favorite move in wrestling. I loved his discus lariat. It's it's all Linky Boy stuff, and it was just like a really like kind of fun match. It was something like I when I when I was watching this on Twitter, I was like, oh, is this going to be something that's going to lead to them getting into the Triangle Gate? And of course, that changed just three matches later. But just was like a really cool thing, and it'll be interesting to see what Kame and Kakuda do as a tag team from here. I like that big little chemistry a lot. I hope they run with that as a team. Although I think, I guess a lot of it depends on when Fujikawa returns, and I don't know of a timetable for that yet. I haven't heard one either. Yeah, I I, I guess there's nowhere for them to go, so they probably will have to continue teaming. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then... Yoshino took the microphone and said, hey, uh, we have a video here. It's from Taru. And boy, what a video it was, Case. Yeah, I don't have the translation pulled up. Do you? I mean, I'll pull up like the, the spicy quote there. I think that that's the thing that's really worth getting into. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you, you with your production background, you can probably describe this video better than I can. But the, the quote there 
is uh, very important. So th this video was very reminiscent of when both uh, Kira Tozawa and Shingo Takagi gave their 20th anniversary. Like, hey guys, remember me? I'm WWE's Akira Tozawa. Or hey, I'm Shingo Takagi of of Los Ingobernables de Japón. And like how they like, they're like sitting there talking about this. But it's like, it definitely, he had like a hue light on in the background. He was like late, he was like in a chaise lounger, just like playing with his beard and his hair. And just was like, just Taru being Taru. But the big meat of this thing and Taru's big message here was, and I quote this from Jay's Twitter account, I said I'd never wrestle there even if they begged, but now that the festering pus is gone and it's dragging inviting me, I'll do it. Yeah, that is a lot. That is a, uh, I, I would say, and Mike, you're, you would know better than me, that seems like it's more directed at President Okamura than it is Shima, but they are both caught in the crosshairs there. Yeah, that's, that, that's uh, definitely towards uh, Shima and Okamura. Uh, because even when, like, when people were being brought back around, like after the, the change, the big thought wasn't that he, that Taru was like the one person that wasn't going to do that. But it's, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of stuff that I'm willing to talk about here for a second here about Shimano Kamura. Uh, don't ever expect some sort of reconciliation. I think that's a fair thing to say. And if, it's, if reconciliation happens, it's going to require a lot of time and a lot of people being the bigger person here and some people understanding how their past conduct would have harmed people in, in different ways. And I think that's a fair thing to say. And Taru, of all people, is a person pointing that out, which is the wild thing. Yeah, if it ever happens, it's, I, if not a generation, generations removed from right now. Personally, I wish Taru would have stayed on the sidelines. Did not really feel the need for him in this current product or ever. But, uh, you we know. We had him once. We had Taru once, and he was fine. And I felt like that was good. I felt like that's all we needed. <laughs> that was enough. Um, I mean, look, I I have really enjoyed, and, and I, you know, I wasn't someone following Toriyamon in real time. I, I you know, I, I like to talk about how I was born two weeks after the first Toriyamon show. I think that's part of the reason I feel Fuck, such a strong man. Why this do company. You... Is there, uh... <laughs> they're as old as I am. It's really nice. So I'm not going to sit here and lament <laughs> about how all of these Toriyamon reunions have meant the world to me. But as a fan who has watched more Dragon System than 98% of the people out there, it's really nice. I just, you know, I'm less excited about the Taru return than pretty much anything else. It's something where, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot in here, and it's something where, from all things, everyone's happy. Taru's a shady person. You can look up stuff. Just look at Taru's uh, uh, Wikipedia for stuff that's happened afterwards if you're a newcoming fan. Not necessarily a good guy, but uh, sometimes the worst person makes the right point. Unfortunately. But, uh... You know, <laughs> there's there's the Taru situation, which is a whole lot. We'll unpack that in a few weeks. But, Mike, there was also the bodyguard situation, or, as his graphic <laughs> said, the bodyguer. Uh, let's talk the body... Let's talk about this eight-man. 
<laughs> the body girl, my new best friend. The body oh, girl. Oh, he's fun uh, to have around it, in small doses on the undercard, not challenging for a title, and not a regularly occurring character. When he comes around once a year, it's, it's like Santa. It's a lot of fun. I mean, he kind of looks like Santa in a way. Man, I thought you know, he's he a looked, stocky dude. He looked old on this show. Mm-hmm. I like. You would think Dragon Gate, the pretty boy wrestling company, would be able to like spruce him up a little bit, but I don't know how he comes across looking better on like these dingy All Japan shows. Because man, I thought he looked old. He looked. I mean, he wrestled fine, but he just looked physically old. Uh. My favorite kind of like snide comment I made is, well, Ultimo had to take bumps because he knew, because he just saw the bodyguard took none. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, bodyguard, bodyguard, Gamma, Don Fuji, Misaki, Mochizuki versus the Toriman team of Dragon Kid, Ryo Saito, Suji Kondo, and Kagatora. Kagatora got the flash pin of the Kaganui on Misaki Mochizuki in 9 minutes 58 seconds. And I think Bodyguard would be a great friend. You know, he just seems like he's such a nice guy. I'm happy to have him around once a year and that's it. Seeing Fuji, Gamma, Mochizuki, and the Bodyguard pose on the ramp together. I was like, holy shit. Those are, those are dads that are about ready to hit the pub after lockdown is over. I mean, there was just a real healthy... 40 plus demographic aura to that group it was nice to see i i, I mean that the, the, they go across different demographics you know i mean sometimes you're gonna have it's sometimes you want to go for the older ladies and that's a group of guys that can it, it really felt like the 2007 film wild hogs to me <laughs> You, you know, I, I, I can't relate to that, but I can say you can really see, like, the generational warfare, it's such in-depth storytelling. And, Mike, this is where Drangit likes to open its third eye, like Matt Seidel. It, you know, Ben K and Kaisuke Akuda, they're younger guys. They're not alarmed by the term toxic masculinity. So they hug their friends, they hang out, they're not afraid to tell their bros how they feel. I know Don Fuji and Masaki Mochizuki have spent hours upon hours together. I guarantee those men know nothing about one another. They know what moves they do. They know what food they like. They know what beer they drink. And that is it. So uh, one of my favorite things that was on Twitter a couple weeks ago was uh, uh, Masaki Mochizuki during the end one saying, I got a phone call late at night from Fuji-san and he was drunk and he wanted to drink with me. And I was like, that might have been like the first phone call those two guys have had in a long time. They, they just have like a quiet acceptance and understanding. And that's their only phone call. Mochizuki is not getting a call from Fuji talking about, you know, family or the weekend or politics. It is Fuji, I've been drinking. Mochizuki, I want you to come drink with me. And that is it. And that's a fine relationship if that's your thing. <laughs> so good <laughs> i like that the Mo- mochizuki during the n1 was really interesting this is a dude that is 50 years old one of the 10 best wrestlers of all time and this dude is wrestling in the n1 and then waking up the next morning and tweeting out like takes from his own matches he's watching the game film 12 hours after his match like this dude is a machine he's second to none he's unbelievable and, and you know he's watching his game film as he's working out and he posts a photo and he says like it was tough to get out there bad to get out <laughs> yes. there and then he and, and then he ends it with just writing out bitter smile 
it, it is. He's so cool. Like he's so cool. Like, I, I had a I had a friend in high school. I'm not gonna say a friend because he he turned out to not be a very good person. But I I knew a an acquaintance. Yeah, I knew an a kid in high school who was one of my earliest friends. Like we met in kindergarten and communicated. I will say through high school. And there was a while where he was tweeting out like a hashtag morning motivation thing. And I was like, this is the lamest thing I've ever seen. Like, this sucks. Like, I hate you for doing this. When Masaki Mochizuki tweets out morning motivation and I have to Google translate it, it fires me up. It is how I want to start my day. And it's always like the, it's always like, I remember like the first selfie he had and it was like a very bad, like camera pointing upwards at him as he's like working out. I'm like, that is, that owns Masaki Masaki Mochizuki. I'd be so intimidated if I were to sit down and have a conversation with him, but I hope that he would know that it was something that when we were talking with Alan Farrell about the uh, uh, Dragon Gate Miami show in 2012, how we were like the two people that like yes Masaki Mochizuki and and Alan got a turn and a nod from Masaki Mochizuki and that means enough <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> silent approval that's how generations work it's uh it's like Jay Z once said I'm like a dog I never speak but I understand and Mochizuki I think it's a similar thing I can't believe we've been doing this show for how many years and I think that's the first Jay Z lyric I've busted out ah oh, man. I mean, I, I was watching like UGK this morning, so which has their own history with Jay Z. Oh, brother, don't I know it? <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Pepsi. Oh man, gone too soon. Yeah, and, and then the uh, technical show opener was the former uh, Triangle Gate uh, champion team of Binkay, Dragon Diet, and Strong Machine J making his return from injury versus BB Hulk, Hyo, and Diet Inferno. Diet got the flash pen. I thought it was a Casadora bomb, not the Retilian Rana. But I know you said it's Retilian Rana. It could, it could have very easily been another move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he got the pin on Hio in 9 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, Strong Machine J looked really good. And Inferno and Hulk had some pretty fun chemistry there. And, you know, I mean, it's the same standard. Like, I, I'm not going to go my Inferno diatribe here. I've done it enough here. But, you know, it was, it was solid. thought Inferno looked good. Thought Daya looked good. Strong Machine J looked healthy, which was nice to see. The only note I really have here is the Snapmare driver that Hyo busted out. Because that, it's a shame. It's almost a shame for as much as we like our Leopard Son. It's a shame that he's the one that used that move. Because that thing looks so good and it means nothing when he does it. Yeah, I mean, that should be his finish, not the Saber. Not like the the version of a schwein he should be using that because he, like he goes up in the air he hooks him up there he, he jumps up backwards like he's gaining momentum and then just spiked Benke. who Benke, thank you for getting new gear i was worried about you for a little bit you were <laughs> after you did that weight cut and you stretched out your old tights i was getting kind of like come on ben man get some new gear you, you're looking nice and cut here you were swole now you're cut you, you gotta adapt to that yeah it was a it was a fun opener three stars right where uh the typical dragon gate opener is Yep, and then before that, we had the contract signing and all of that. And then, actually, I have a question for you here. Uh, when I watched this later, they joined Match Zero in progress. Was this the case also live? That was indeed. All right, so Match Zero, we saw in progress. It was only a three-minute match, so it's not like we really missed much of anything. But it would have been nice to see some of the people in there. It was the veteran plus loon team of Kness, Konamaui, Chikawa, Sachioko Boy, and Hoho Loon versus Yosuke San Maria, Problem Dragon, UT, and Jimmy. And it was Maria getting the pen of the Nero Luchi on Boy in 3 minutes and 36 seconds. It was joint in progress. 
You just kind of saw the sin, the the finish. That was it. Let's talk about this Cork and Hall show, Mike. Unless you've got any more big picture thoughts on Gate of Destiny. Uh, I have one Go ahead. that yes. I've been trying to investigate, and I think this is something that, in the times of COVID, it's kind of hard to kind of evaluate these things. But I think it's something that's worth repeating. Attendance of the show is 1885. In case I've done a little bit of research, I'm still trying to kind of figure out one thing, but that might be outside of New Japan the biggest wrestling show in the world in this era. Yeah, I mean, I it's what it would come down to, I guess, whatever DDT has done, which I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, that's a good. They point. were an Oda. Okay, yeah. they were an Oda today, which DG had about 990, but it was with the cage. So it couldn't have been much larger, and the restriction hasn't been lifted. So Dragon Gate, number two in the world right now. Just wanted to put it out there. I think that is a a fair and balanced and accurate take, Mike Spears. I just I'm just dealing with straight facts. I haven't seen uh, AEW do a show above a thousand. I know no one else in America has, and Mexico they aren't having shows with fans. NCMLL and AAA, I guess you can count by cars. So congrats to Dragon Gate. We've been saying this for a long time, but you truly are number two. You know, the thing I like about Mike Spears, he doesn't care about your feelings. He deals in facts and facts only, and he's not afraid to come on the Open the Voice Gate podcast and talk about how uh, facts matter, not feelings. And I really appreciate that about you, Mike. Talking about facts and not feelings, what's a fact is we have a Cork and Hall show. It will be, as we're recording this, we're recording this on the 3rd, this will be out right as, or the show might happen right as, I, I... I might try to push to get this thing out tomorrow so that they have the preview going into this. I, I was going to say, I would recommend that. I, I know there's gestures at the entire world, a lot going on <laughs> right now, but it might not be a bad idea to get the show out on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be happening on Thursday. It is an 8.30 Japanese start time finish, uh, start time. As America did the dumb thing of going to daylight savings time, J- Tokyo right now is 14 hours ahead of us. That'll be a 4.30 Eastern start time. Ugh, that 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 stinks. That really stinks. Uh, but getting to the show itself, this is one of two shows that are between Gate of Destiny and uh, uh, Kobe World. Uh, just off the top, before we run down the show, what do you hope the show can really accomplish when we already have a lot of Kobe World fleshed out? I think we really need a direction for Yamato, and that's the that's the big question mark coming into this and i i would hope by the time we get out of this that we have uh, a clear idea of hopefully he's in some sort of featured match it would be weird for yamato to just be on the undercard for a kobe world and i hope we get some good wrestling because i really like this show on paper yeah yamato's like one one a gotta flesh out uh yoshino doi and dragon and taru and how that's figuring out like those are the two things i want to kind of see out of this yes that is true so i guess yeah i mean yeah, I don't, I don't have a good read there. So I guess, well, I, yeah. I'm not going to make a prediction. We're just going to talk about this card, and we'll predict that. But I don't have a, a read on Yoshino and Doi at World at all. All right, uh, let's do this match by match. Usually, I, I speed through these, but there's enough here that I feel like it's kind of worth getting into. Starting off with the opener, it is the big little team of Takeda Kame and Madoka Kakuda versus the RED team of BB Hulk and Takashi Yoshida. Interesting match now injecting the kids into red yeah um i think we're going to learn a lot about the rookies here in terms of you know what they are capable of because for as good as they've been they've been in the ring with you know yoshino and doi and yamato and casey and all these top of the line guys 
Here, they are going to have to bring their working shoes on to get a good match out of Hulk and Takashi Yoshida. I think they're capable of doing that. I think, you know, I, I, I'm sure this will involve Kabune in some capacity. I, I don't really know how, but it, this is going to be a big test for the working boots and the work rate of Kamei and Kakuta. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be real interesting, especially starting off a Corkin with that. And then we get into match two. We have it's an unaffiliated match because we have Misaki, Mochizuki, and Gamma teaming with Problem Dragon against an interesting team that at least Mochizuki has a lot of history with, Susumi Yokosuka, Ginki Horiguchi, and Azushi Kanda of Torimon. You know, these are guys that I think are kind of like left out that they're going to probably be on the undercard in some fashion or pulled into whatever the Taru Ultimo thing is, but, you know, it's it, I, I'm i not going to complain to seeing Misaki Mochizuki and Suzumi Yokosuka face off. Yeah, this should be fun. Obviously, Problem Dragon's taking the pin here, but I like that, that M2K team squaring off with Mochizuki. That should be a lot of fun. Yep, and then match three, we're starting to get into stuff that is directly building into Kobe World. We have the Open, the Twin Gate champion, Jason Lee, teaming up with the new Open the Brave Gate champion, Keisuke Okuda, going up against the former Open the uh, Brave Gate champion, Kaido Ishida, and Okuda's opponent at Kobe World, and Kazuma Sakamoto. If I was going to cir- circle anything on the showcase and say, this might be like the work rate match, I'm looking at this one right here. Oh, this should be tremendous. And I, I'm intrigued by the finish of this match because, you know, Okuda holds a belt, Lee holds a belt, Ishida is protected, and Kazuma Sakamoto is one-third of the Triangle Gate champion. So there's... It's... I understand why this is the third match on the show, but realistically, I mean, this is these are all title holders and guys in title contention, so it's a really big match number three. And if there is any match that I can point to and go, yeah, that's probably going to be four stars, I think it's going to be this one. And it's being match three. There will be some shenanigans here, but I don't think this will be a match that have a non-finish. I would hope not. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that the... Uh that the non-finishes would happen later. Match four, this has this is an unaffiliated match. Ultimo Dragon, Masato Yoshino, Don Fuji, and my main man, Kenichiro Arai. He is appearing at Korokin in match four here against the Buku Dojo team of Naruki Doi, Ryo Saito, the former Ryotsu Shimizu, and Punch Tomonaga. Shimizu lost the character when Team Boku lost the match at Gate of Destiny. He will announce his new ring name at this time. If I were Kanejiro Rai, I would be preparing my body to take a shot put slam in this match. I mean, I, I hope he's not. It's either that or he's going to try to, like, do a firebird splash. We saw what happened last time we did that. Yeah, that's, uh, we don't we don't need Rai tearing his shoulder out of his body once again. That was a real bummer uh, for what was otherwise a beautiful moment. It was just marred by uh, Arakid getting hurt. I have no read on the former Reosu Shimizu and what he's going to do. I think Micah is correct. I think Team Boku is sticking around. I just, I, it's it, it's impossible to predict an incoming Dragon Gate character, but I do like, you know, I, I like that Toriyaman team a lot, and assuming we get more Doi and Shimizu and less Saito Tamanaga, this could be a very fun match. What's going to be an interesting match is, is the semi-main event. This is a preview of Kobe World. This is the two challenger teams for the Triangle Gate belts. They're in the three-way Triangle Gate match. It is the Torimon team of Dragon Kid, Shuji Kondo, and Kakatora versus the Dragon Gate team of Benkei, Yosuke San Maria, and UT. I think this is a cool match. I'm glad they're doing this. 
I think these teams line up really well with one another. You're going to get Kondo, Ben K. You're going to get, you know, UT Dragon Kid and UT Kagatora. And Santa Maria, when she works hard, has shown to have really good chemistry with Kondo as well. So there's just a lot of pairings in this match I like. It's match five on a six-match show. It means it's going to get some time. I think if I was putting this card together, I might have this and the Akuta lee Ashita sakamoto match flip, but it doesn't matter in the long run. I, this this could be a really good match. I mean, we're looking at a show where everything matters with the exception of match two. I mean, everything on this show matters, and this has a chance to be a really great Dragon Gate six-man tag that, it, you know, if, if this match delivers from a work rate standpoint, it will fall under the, you know, if this match happened in any other promotion, it would be the talk of the town, but for Dragon Gate, it's just the working standard. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing, I don't want to... To, to, to damn this match kind of have like interference blinders put on there given that the main event I hope it doesn't happen but I kind of expect it really you think yeah cause, cause you have Kabune and uh, you have Kabune in the main event and R.E.D. yeah okay I'm sorry I misunderstood yeah no that is that is entirely fair and then the main event is an 8 man tag Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. Yamato, KZ, Kota Minora, and Dragon Daya versus Ada Kai, Kento Kabune, and Daya Inferno. As we said earlier, Shun Skywalker is back. He is not on this card. What do you think about that? I think they're holding him off. He's going to either show up in Kyoto, which I doubt, or he's just going to have his first match and win the, the Dreamgate title at Kobe World. I think the latter is the more accurate one there. If he's not wrestling on Quark and he's not wrestling in Kyoto, unless they are... Unless... I, I, I just I can't even fathom a reason for that. So... I was bummed when this card came out because I really wanted Skywalker to be wrestling on the show. I've made peace with it. I think him showing up at World and wrestling his first match back is also a cool idea, so I'm not going to bicker too much there. I'm going to stick with my theory. I think Kabune's pitting KZ in this match. I, you know, that's, I'm like looking a lot here with this. It's an interesting thing because you have Yamato versus Kai. Yamato, as we've mentioned earlier, and it's kind of like the big question mark in the show but then you have Minora and Kai, and that's your Twin Gate match. Inferno and Daya, we all know that. Uh, Ada, like Ada's now. I mean, it's interesting. I I can't pick a finish out here. So my inclination here is that Daya gets his mask ripped and gets rolled up by Inferno. Mm, yeah, that is that is a safe bet. I think that is probably the more accurate scenario. But just in case I'm right, I'm sticking with Kabune over KZ. I mean, I'd stick with it. I mean, there's nothing else there. That, that I would say that that's a bet I would take there. Uh, and then as we said, then on Sunday, or actually on Saturday, they'll be in Kyoto KBS Hall. I'm doing one last refresh to see if they have a card for us. It's not there, Mike. It's not there. It's not there, and that's kind of a shame, but that's the world we live in. Uh, we will be back next week with both. Uh, I mean, because we have a... Because we... In the same week of a Corkin review, we we will have to talk about our preview for Kobe Sambo for for Kobe World because Kobe World is next Sunday. That's insane. There's too much stuff happening, Mike. <laughs> just in general, there's not not a specific comment. Just in general, there's too much stuff happening. I I miss March when everything was just like, hey, we're just gonna take a break. Everything's just gonna stop for a second. I missed that quite honestly. Well, case uh. After Kobe Sambo, after I always call it Kobe Sambo, Kobe Kenan Hall, there's nothing that is going to be televised until Gate of Origin and Sendai. That's two weeks. 
uh, yeah, we'll we'll have some fun stuff. I've got some ideas for this show. We might we might only do one weekly update instead of two, but uh, we'll make it worth your while. Yeah, we'll we'll figure this out. We'll we're we're flying by the seat of pants here, as it does kind of feel like that. Unlike Dragon Gate, we we're kind of going with it. They did release a schedule for January that I wanted to touch on real quick. Guess what they have on consecutive nights case in January? Is, is it back to back Cork and Halls? Back to back Cork and Halls on a Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh boy, that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I uh, did, that was a guess. I did not know that's what they were doing. That uh, I'm very intrigued by that. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means, but that means something. My guess is they'll do another reunion show. Oh, there, oh, there you go. I, I mean, I'm not trying to play fun police. Though, no, 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 no. That's you no, know, you played the logic police. Yeah, uh, and so we have that for January, and then, I mean, that's pretty much it. We will be back with y'all next week talking about Cork and probably Kyoto getting over like as much as we can, and then doing our Kobe World preview, because as we said leading up to this, this is the biggest and most busiest month in Dragon Gate's history, and you know what a, what a start to it we had with Gate Destiny and the return of Shin Skywalker. Any big last thoughts before we get out of here? No, I got nothing. All right, so that's going to do it for this time I Open the Voice Gate. You can follow Case on Twitter at underscore in your case. You can follow me on Twitter at Fujiheya. Throw throw the podcast account a follow. I will probably be staying up all night. We'll probably be doing both, be doing live tweeting of Kobe World in a couple weeks. So you'll want to keep an eye out for that. Oh, oh, you know what? You know what? Real real quick, because you mentioned the Open the Voice Kid account. I tweeted something from that account yesterday. It got no interactions. It did hurt my feelings. But I did want to quickly review uh, the Coke Energy Drink. That I bought. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I saw that. Yes, I saw I, that. It was right before I. You tweeted that right after I was saying I'm going offline, but I wanted to ask you about it. How is? Well, what flavor was this Coke Energy Drink thing? Yeah, a lot of people saw it. Nobody liked it. I noticed. Um, it was so I, they didn't have at the Walgreens across the street from me. They did not have my usual go-to energy drink, which is a white can Rockstar Energy, because I am white trash. Um. But I saw this Coca-Cola energy drink, and I was like, well, hot damn. If I could get the crisp, refreshing taste of Coke with the adrenaline rush of an energy drink, that sounds like something I would really like. It instead... Now, I will say it was effective. It it was just, like, there, the Coke was gone. It was just drinking, like, the raw element of an energy drink. It was It was a little gnarly, but... I might go back to it. I kind of liked the kick that it gave me. It, it, you know, like what was the caffeine content on this thing? I'm gonna pull up this Coke Energy thing because I stay away from energy drinks once after I drink three tall Monster Energy drinks. I'm my own version of white trash here, so I'm not gonna leave you on a, on a lynch there. So, all right, Coke Energy. Was it just normal? What did you get? The cherry or the zero sugar? Or you just go straight up. Uh, unfiltered I, I went straight up i went, went straight up all right uh was it the 12 ounce can or is that the only thing they offer in this oh thing? let me let me run across my room real quick and grab it give me one second okay. mike no oh no need no need i just pulled it up case is gone to go look for his can when i just pulled up i uh, i got it no it's okay i got it go ahead all right the caffeine content is 114 milligrams i'm willing to guess that your that your uh your rockstar energy drink which is a company I do not endorse. Are they bad people? I do not know anything about them. 
I mean, they're they're in the energy drink business. Are you kidding me? I think it's super unethical. I, like every once in a while at my campus, these people in these like Red Bull cars will show up and hand out Red Bulls to college oh, yeah. students. I think that's super irresponsible. I can't believe they're allowed to do that. And maybe I just sound like a naive Midwestern Catholic boy, but. It's like you're handing out something that's objectively bad for people. I just, I can't believe they're allowed to do such a thing. I can't even, this Rockstar Energy Drink thing, I'm trying to find out, like, their their nutritional facts on this thing, and they are just telling me that it's sugar-free and that's it. It's just an X on the label. They're just like, you don't even want to (laughs) know. Oh, oh, you get the one with the X? Okay, because there is one that's like their workout one that it has an X on it. No, I, I, I don't. I did not know that existed. I will. Uh, I, I get mine is a white can with a red Rockstar logo. I think it's sugar free. That's just that's the one I like, and I don't. Oh, the punch flavor. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's it's always brought me immense comfort at two thirty in the morning when I'm waking up to watch a <laughs> Drangate show, which I was recently texting my ex. Uh, and she will be on my Art School Albums Music Podcast in a few weeks. She is the guest for the one-year anniversary show, and out of the blue, she kind of goes, you know, have you, uh, I don't know, stayed up till 3 in the morning with a mountain doing some Twizzlers recently and, uh, you know, watched Japanese wrestling, and this was a day after the October Cork and Hall show, so I'm sitting next to the empty bag of Twizzlers in the empty Mountain Dew bottle that I drank. That that would hurt, Mike. That would, I, I kind of forgot how well she knew me. Oh, that the you were seen at that moment, man. It was oh. I was exposed. I'll admit it, I was exposed. All right, so I could see on the edge of the can for this punched one, which is not the most powerful one I've just discovered. Which I mean, that's a, that's practically fucking rocket fuel if you ask me. I didn't I didn't curse at all this episode, and I just dropped that right there. Uh, two hundred and forty milligrams of caffeine. So you're drinking half of that. So you're probably making a smart choice with the Coke one, even though it does have. 77% of your added sugar content for the day. Yeah, I am in, I'm currently enrolled in a nutrition class where I, I track what I eat. I got to say, it's not fun. I don't like doing that. <laughs> and uh, maybe I I didn't entirely accurately track my 3.30 a.m. meal that I had in the midst of the Dragon Dia six-man tag match this morning. Uh, just not needed. I'll pass the class without it. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Uh, by the way, they have something that's the rocket fuel can that I was talking about a second ago. It is called Rockstar Thermo Performance Blast Thermogenic Neon Blast. Mike, we get everything that's coming to us. When that drink exists, I just, I got to throw my hands up at humanity. But I'll say this. This is probably a drink that Shin Skywalker has had <laughs> yeah. a bunch of because... It, <laughs> It is vaporwave and it is a pre-workout drink. Just from looking at this, I can tell you because it because it loads off by saying it has it has one full gram of BCAA aminos. That seems bad. That seems dangerous. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that 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 is wild. Uh, they have this juice stuff. Case. I I I feel like a parent saying like they have this juice. It's only twenty grams of uh, it's only twenty calorie calories per gram or can. You can get that both in mango and in. Pineapple, orange, guava. Well, I don't do mango anything. I think mango is is a is a poor fruit, and I'm a man that enjoys uh, a, quite an array of fruits. You know, the the Mountain Dew Kickstart gimmick that that's been out for a few years now, and I haven't brought myself to try it, which is uh, it's weird because I I like Mountain Dew. It's currently 
11.09 Central Time as we're recording this. I'm about to hang up, go eat dinner at 11.10, and drink a Mountain Dew and stay up and watch CNN until the wee hours of the morning. But uh, I have not done the Kickstart gimmick yet, but saying there's some sort of juice energy drink out there, that kind of reminded me of that. First off, I would like to disavow the statements of one case low about the honorable and amazing mango. Mango is the best fruit. And if it's a if something's gonna be mango flavored, I'm gonna have a good time. I don't apparently case won't, but I will. I think fun is overrated. I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right, dude. L- l- let's get out of here. <laughs> any last any any other last things before we get out of here? Even though like I've already done our our sign off. No, I, if I keep talking, it's gonna turn into a therapy session real quick. So let's hang up, Mike. All right, we will catch you next week on Open the Voice Gate. Uh, take care, everyone.